humanity is beset by countless evils. Against many, armies can be raised, hatreds can be stoked, vigilance for that which is not human can be maintained. Not so the demon, the lie made flesh. For to even know of such a creature is to risk one's essence. The soul of the Grey Knights is sacrosanct, and their purity is incorruptible. The silvered armor of this chapter's warriors is bound with incantations, engraved with sigils of warding. Their blades shine with the inner light of their sanctity, for each of these space marines is a psychic warrior, in empiric communion with his battle brothers. Empowered by minds constantly on guard, they can cut steel with bare hands. Their eyes blaze with fire, and even the power of their words flay the otherworldly skin of demons. In shadow do these knights of Titan fight. From the underbelly of teeming worlds full of mortal pawns. To mutating planets slick with the taint of the Empyrean where lesser warrior sanity would not survive. They are the Imperium's surest defense against that which the Emperor foresaw would be its greatest threat. The Grey Knights are humanity's blade against the demon, and only they offer mankind hope of anything more than hollow victories. The 666th Chapter None now alive can claim to know the origins of the Grey Knights with certainty. The chapter themselves have a single written account of their founding. Housed in their fortress monastery, the Citadel of Titan. From this, and other legendary sources known to very few, a story of dire peril, a priceless gift, and the concealment of soul-shattering knowledge can be pieced together. It was during the final days of the Horus Heresy, so it is said, that the founders of the Grey Knights were first convened. Even as the Emperor, his generals and advisors prepared Terra for the onslaught of his wayward son, the arch-traitor Horus, the master of mankind contemplated threats even greater. Certain myths of that distant age hint that the Emperor alone foresaw 
the danger posed by chaos and the immaterium's denizens, its demons and gods. These coalescences of emotion given terrible existence in the warp would not be satisfied by mankind's destruction, only by its corruption, subjugation, and eternal torment. Ambiguous references suggest the Emperor's most trusted servant, Malkador the Sigilite, scoured the war-torn Imperium while the heresy raged. Directed by the Emperor to seek individuals whose shoulders would bear the burden of saving humanity's future. Among those Malkador eventually presented to the Emperor, it is thought that there were eight Space Marines, peerless in their dedication to the Imperium, aware of the warp's threat, and potent in their esoteric abilities. Each of the eight were approved, and the Emperor tasked Malkador with the next stage. Malkador took the group of space marines to Titan, a frigid moon of Saturn. Through means now unknown, the Sigilite had hidden the Emperor's works on Titan from traitors and loyalists alike. According to one Electro Tapestry, Malkador revealed a fortress monastery established in desperate secrecy. Inside it were the means to found a chapter, one not descended from the legions that still fought, but forged anew with gene seed wrought by the Emperor in isolation. How long it had taken such a plan to unfold, how long it had taken to find suitable recruits, forge specialist weapons and war gear, and more besides, perhaps not even Malkador knew. It is suspected that it was he who appointed one of the eight, known to legend as Janus, to lead the nascent chapter as its first supreme grandmaster. What happened next has slipped even from the true understanding of the Grey Knights. With Terra herself braced to face the heretical legions of Horus, a sorcerous enchantment of unprecedented power loosened Titan from reality's grip. The moon vanished from its orbit, sliding into the warp. Time and bloodshed overtook the Sol system. Titan endured, anchored somehow in the Empyrean. Those upon it, unaware of the heresy's tragic conclusion, toiled to bring the Emperor's gift to humanity to fruition, while titanic energies strove to protect the world from the warp's roiling embrace.
years passed in real space, and who knows how many within the timeless warp before Titan reappeared. When it did so, it was during the confusion and anarchy of the second founding. The growing Inquisition, it is whispered, had a hand in much of that endeavor's work. It is in records of the second founding that the Grey Knights first appear, enshrined as the 666th chapter of the Adeptus Astartes. The warriors those Inquisitors found, a thousand in number, they were told, and neophytes no longer, were ready to enact the Emperor's intent immediately. With their allies in the Inquisition, helping to keep secret their existence, the Grey Knights began their hidden war. As a fighting force, only they could face the demon without fear of taint. The existence of such beings, and the sorcery used to banish them, must forever remain unknown, all witnesses expunged. Titan Titan's frozen landscape of cryovolcanoes and oceans of liquid methane is broken by jagged spurs of black rock. It is a grim and forbidding place that barely supports basic life. Such barrenness is but one of the veils that shrouds its warriors. Should a ship be allowed anywhere near the surface of Titan, it will already have passed barriers and guards of many kinds. The ship's sensors may have noticed some, such as unusual vessels circling in the dark, suggested by ghost returns. Those aboard with strange technologies or esoteric powers may feel proud in their detection of yet others. Lattices of power that fish for interdimensional prey, or unsleeping stations housing psychic choirs that sing the fort's existences out of people's minds. There are far more layers of diversion obfuscation and extermination that rival, and in certain ways exceed, those around Terra itself, down to Titan's seemingly lifeless surface. Judging from the ice sheets in the shadow of Mount Anarch, the citadel of Titan has endured since its raising in a time of legend. It is the fortress monastery of the Grey Knights, and among its black basalt spires 
are emplaced batteries of macro cannons and defense lasers. Inside the citadel of Titan's unwelcoming exterior, dusty passages and cavernous halls echo merely to the sweep of robes and the scratch of pneumoquills. Though designed to house an entire chapter and all the arms and vehicles, serfs and servidors they require, many are the arming chambers, meditation cells, and feast halls that lie empty for years. Distance is no obstacle to the demonic threat. And in opposing that threat, most Grey Knights are scattered, fighting among the stars, while the Citadel of Titan awaits their victorious return. Great walls and columns are engraved with the Grey Knights' battle honors, and grand banners and trophies are hung in the Hall of Champions. In the fortress's depths lie the chambers of purity, set to guard, among other horrors, the most sacred or dangerous relics that the Grey Knights recover. Yet the Sons of Titan could not win so many victories were it not for their foresight. Atop the fortress monastery's highest black spire is a single silver pinnacle, the Augurium. Within the mirrored walls of its vaulted chambers, the prognosticars of the Grey Knights sift through their reflected thoughts and douse the shifting strands of timeless probabilities from the warp. Prognosticars are powerful psychers who, among guttering candles and drifts of incense, read psychic tremors and fluctuations to divine the location and time of demonic incursions. Nothing connected with the warp is entirely accurate or safe. But via the prognosticar's careful unpicking of lies, the spore of the demon can be traced. With the visions and wisdom of the prognosticars, the Grey Knights can even be in place before an incursion occurs, rather than wait for the planet's panicked astropathic plea, by which time it is often too late. The Grey Knights anticipate and prepare like no other force of the Imperium. Knowing in advance the nature of the threat they face, and perhaps something of the consequences of failure. The Sanctum Sanctorum 
is secure as only the spiritual heart of the Grey Knights could be. This vast shielded chamber and its countless connected vaults, halls, and alcoves contain the accumulated lore of the chapter. The Sanctum Sanctorum's towering shelves of tomes, crumbling scrolls, data crystals, and info wafers hold the chapter's forbidden knowledge. The names of proscribed cults and doomed Xenos races can be found here alongside the forge secrets of Nemesis Force Weapons. Details of the chapter's psychic ceremonies and communions set down on stone tablets, hollow discs, or stranger media shelter in stasis vaults and in frozen, true-silvered crypts rest the chapter's genetic legacies. A star-shaped chamber at the heart of the Citadel of Titan resounds to the ceaseless chants and prayers of hundreds of chapter serfs. This is the Warp Nexus, it is written that the hexagrammical sigils and graven designs therein protected Titan and its fortress monastery during their years within the warp, and were even the means of its transition between realms. It is maintained as a tangible artifact supposedly left by Malkador the Sigilite, but also in the hope that it may once again grant an extreme refuge if needed. The Canticle of Absolution of the Grey Knights, known as the 666 Secret Words, Et Templars Mysteria, Ox Ordo Malleus. Praise the Emperor for his sacrifice. As he endures, so shall we. We who are hunters of demons shall strive in his name eternally. We his order of soul wards shall delve into the dark shadows. We shall seek out the tainted. We shall pursue the vilest evil. It is we who stand guard. Our eternal watch shall not fail. For we are the brethren in corruptus. We Grey Knights are the Hammers. We slay the darkness without fear. Founded in great mystery we were. Chapter 666 Though on Titan we be hidden, yet our eyes encompass the galaxy. 
No hellspawn shall elude our gaze. No demon shall avoid its fate. We shall be the keepers immortal. All secrets shall be our knowledge. We are the guardians of mankind. Caution and secrecy are our code. Watchfulness and patience are our way. Hidden from the eye of chaos, we strike without warning or dread. Though we find ourselves in shadows, no blackness will enter our hearts. No treachery will touch our souls. No pride will sully our thoughts. We shall be pure amongst impurity. We shall be innocence amongst guilt. We are the Imperium's hidden saviors. We are spread across the heavens. Our watch is untiring and ceaseless. The Emperor shall guard our souls as we guard those of others. Our will shall be our weapons. Our faith shall be our armor. Our minds will be secure fortresses. No temptation will weaken our resolve. Though unnumbered lurking perils await us, our blades will ever be ready. For we are the Emperor's vengeance. Masters of all weapons are we. No defense exists against our wrath. With the nemesis shall we fight, with an aegis to shield us. In bloodshed shall we save mankind. Death shall be our everlasting creed. War unending shall be our fate. In battle shall we be steeped. We shall be unstinting in hatred. We shall hunger for holy war. For we are swords of justice. When all flee in hideous disarray, strong and sound shall we stand. Cowardice is wholly unknown to us. Our courage comes from the Emperor. Unbowed and unshaken against all foes, we shall claim victory with blood. Steady and surely we hunt them, those that dare oppose our wrath. Death stalks us in many forms, the grotesque and the utterly inhuman. We are the bringers of hope. Bloody battles unending constantly await us. 
redemption the reward for our vigilance when possession rears its unspeakable head ours is the blade that descends when empyrean horrors invade our realm our exorcisms shall hurl them back there is no chaos spawned horror which can resist our indomitable anger with undaunted courage we shall prevail no arcane magics shall overcome us we are the bearers of victory no corruption shall blemish our galaxy no immaterial fiend shall be spared no malevolent spirit will oppose us no creation of sin shall survive no unholy deed shall go unpunished all blasphemous acts shall be atoned no spawn of misrule avoids us all are banished to the void nothing shall evade our cleansing fire not demon or spawn or renegade for we are mankind's divine blade emperor's blessings are laid upon us the warp is ours to tame though sorcery shall be against us no witchcraft will bring our doom though spell or incantation blocks us the emperor shall see us victorious no hex can overcome our determination our resolve is as strong as steel sigils and wards watch over us prayer shall serve as our guide for we are the emperor's chosen there is much darkness awaiting us yet the emperor lights our path falsehood surrounds us at every turn yet no traitor shall confound us no despicable trickery will thwart us no damnations shall bring us low there is no peace for us for an eternity we will strive though mere mortals in his service everlasting shall be our true duty et imperador invocado diabolus demonica exorcism chapter organization though recorded as a second founding chapter the gray knights do not follow the codex astartes the great work whose edicts underpinned the creation of those brotherhoods instead the secretive gray knights 
follow the tenets of structure they believed were handed down by Malkador the Sigilite. Tenets born of the unique demands of their war against the Dark Gods. The Grey Knights maintain a strength of approximately a thousand battle brothers. This does not include officers or specialists, and like all Space Marine chapters, the small army of mostly mortal serfs and cybernetic, unthinking servitors that attend the chapter. Unknown to most, the Grey Knights also maintain large bodies of mortal psychers, scribes, scholars of the occult, and many more whose hushed whispers, burdened steps, or distant chants are heard among the candlelit corridors. Hardened against any partial truths they witness, and often mind-scrubbed for safety, these servants help to maintain the citadel of Titan's sanctity against demonic incursion, amongst many other duties. The bulk of the Grey Knights Battle Brothers are organized into eight grand brotherhoods. Each brotherhood comprises a notional 100 Grey Knights under the overall authority of its Grand Master and the active leadership of its brother captain. His command is usually supported by the Brotherhood's champion, its ancient, and occasionally other officers. The warriors of each Brotherhood are marshaled into squads of ten, each led by an experienced veteran granted the title of Justicar. Each squad is tactically flexible, capable of deploying in missions as half-strength combat squads. Squads remain effective and battle-worthy even when so divided, allowing the Brotherhood's commanders to tackle multiple threats as efficiently as possible. Every Grey Knight is trained in the use of the chapter's varied and esoteric weapons and war gear, and in each mission, squads deploy with different tactical loadouts and entrusted with varying strategic objectives. The breakdown of squad type in any given situation is determined by the Brotherhood's Grand Master and brother captain. It has long been proven, however, that a balance of Terminator and Strike squads, supported by Interceptors and Purgation squads, is by far the most effective combination. The Grey Knights are governed and directed by the Chapter Council, made up of the Chapter Lord also known as the Supreme Grand Master, and the Eight Grand Masters of the Brotherhoods. 
The council meet in person rarely, for its members often fight far from Titan. Each member has an equal voice, though the chapter lord has the responsibility to pass final judgment. Each Grand Master also holds sway over one of the chapter's constituent bodies, such as its armory or librarius. Each institution is nominally held to form part of his brotherhood, though he dispatches elements of these organizations to undertake extended duties with others. This authority, only partly ceremonial, is tied to the command of a particular brotherhood, and over time the association has informed their fighting style and tactics. The Grey Knights maintain two further fighting bodies and other honored positions, answerable directly to the chapter council. They accompany forces at the request of the Grand Masters. The Order of Purifiers rarely numbers more than fifty, and is a cloistered brotherhood with its own traditions, whose spiritually pure warriors are led by Knights of the Flame. The Paladins are the chapter's martial elite a company of some hundred or so of the most skilled warriors, from whose ranks is selected the Grey Knight's most honored ancient. Chaplains lead the chapter in prayer during gatherings in the Hall of Champions, and it is there also that the wisdom and knowledge of venerable dreadnoughts is often sought. The Brotherhoods The Brotherhoods of the Grey Knights are at the forefront of the endless war to destroy the demon wherever it rears its unholy visage. The chapter does not maintain reserve or specialized companies. The grim and exacerbating duty before them means that every Brotherhood requires the integral means to scour the taint of warp spawn from any battlefield. At the head of every brotherhood is the Grand Master, each a spiritual successor to the eight founders of the chapter. The Grand Master is responsible for mapping out the never-ending war against the immortal denizens of the warp by whatever means he sees fit. He also maintains his brotherhood's many alliances, whether among the chapter's other bodies, with imperial organizations thought to treat with the Grey Knights, or others with whom the chapter has especially covert dealings. By consulting with the chapter's prognosticars and heeding their wisdom, 
The Grand Master determines where his warriors are needed most. His are decisions that save or condemn billions. Though hundreds, if not thousands of foes may fall before a single one of his hundred or so Grey Knights, the Grand Master's Brotherhood cannot be everywhere and not all worlds can be saved. Rather than waste time and his warriors' lives, sometimes the Grand Master must ruthlessly excise fallen worlds via the cyclonic warheads of an exterminatus decree. The Grand Master is not solely a strategist, but also a paragon of martial might. His presence on the battlefield is an indicator of the severity of the foe being faced. He leads the fight in the most perilous battles, while in the deployment and command of his brotherhood, he is supported by his experienced brother captain. The brother captain has operational authority of the brotherhood. It is he who determines how the Grand Master's wider strategy is enacted. The brother captain's place on the battlefield is at the very heart of the fighting, where he stands shoulder to shoulder with his brotherhood. As blazing psychic fire bursts from his armored fingertips, the brother captain has honed his empiric powers so that he can maintain psychic contact with each of his warriors even in the thickest fighting, adapting his tactics and battle lines with precision and subtlety. This allows him to respond to emergent threats far more swiftly than many Imperial commanders. Senior warriors of the Brother Captain's command often fight alongside him. The Brotherhood's champion is an exemplar of the divine martial prowess to which all Grey Knights aspire. In suits of artificer-wrought armor and wielding the signature sword that echoes the chapter's icon, the Brotherhood champion defends his captain with peerless skill and stands ready to die in his commander's stead. To the Brotherhood ancient, meanwhile, is entrusted one of the Brotherhood's sacred standards. Taken down from the Hall of Champions on Titan and reverently carried into battle. In its shadow, his brothers are roused to even greater feats of heroism. And the ancient invokes the names and deeds recorded on the banner in the darkest moments of conflict. 
The Grey Knights often fight the most hellish of battles over maddening landscapes. As warp fire blazes and the screams and whispers of demons fill the air, the Grey Knights strengthen their psychic communion. By the invocation of mystic rites and the intoning of ritualized chants in the heat of battle, the warriors steal their souls and sharpen their blades. The Justicars who lead each squad hone their warriors' empiric talents and provide a focus for their powers. Every battle brother learns not only to fight with all kinds of specialized weapon, armor, and war gear, but also the rights associated with each pattern of tactical operation his squad could be expected to fight in. In other chapters, Terminator armor is a rare and precious resource, restricted to their elite. It is a measure of the Grey Knight's vital duty that they maintain enough suits to equip their entire chapter should they wish. Secure in suits of bonded ceramite and hardened exoskeleton, Terminator squads have been known to fight for weeks on end against demonic hordes. They scythe down swaths of lighter enemies with tempests of explosive ammunition before cleaving apart far larger creatures with nemesis force weapons attuned to the wielder's unique powers. So armored, Grey Knight storm fleshy citadels, battle inside raging firestorms, and hunt their foe in the labyrinths of space hulks. More lightly armored, strike squads wear suits of artificer-wrought power armor engraved with sigils of sanctity. They are often tasked before battle with the reconnaissance of sites that may have been hidden even from the prognosticars or sorcerous lairs too cramped to admit to the bulk of their Terminator brothers. The Sixth Brotherhood frequently rely on strike squad surgical attacks to divert and disrupt enemy assaults before using their psychic augmentation to attack as part of their killing strike. The more heavily armed purgation squads wield multiple heavy weapons, virtually unknown to the wider Imperium. These squads employ their powers to pierce the warp, perceiving threats through layers of deception. Some purgators gaze into their foe's future, seeing so clearly where they will be that they make virtually impossible shots. Grey Knights are often heavily outnumbered, but supported by purgators, this isn't the case for long. 
Many Grey Knight attacks are characterized by the flare of teleportation strikes. Their warriors specially fortified against the Immaterium's touch. Interceptor squads brave repeated warp transitions to rapidly redeploy and intone carefully measured rites that flow between the squad's minds. These allow them to achieve incredible harmonies of empiric coordination. Their luckless and shocked enemies will never know. The Ward Makers The Third Brotherhood of the Grey Knights have won triumphant victories in some of the most dire episodes ever withheld from Imperial records. The breadth of forbidden knowledge they maintain has aided the banishment of the deadliest demons, and the Brotherhood's ancient association with the chapter's librarians sees the Wardmakers boast more erudition than any other. The Wardmakers undertake scholarly research during the brief moments between fighting and martial training. The Brotherhood delve into tomes of lore amassed fraction by fraction over the millennia. They learn to craft psychic abjurations with their minds that reject the enslaving psychic yokes of demons. Many master the rites by which they project their own purifying auras. Some have even become experts in isolating heretics from demon overlords that seek to corrupt them further with tainted whispers, severing the foul connections between them. Successive grandmasters have taught that demons can be defeated with broad and diverse knowledge, for those creatures ever rely on deceit, misdirection, and falsehoods. A battle brother of the ward makers does not neglect his martial skill in any way. However, honing them under the stern gaze of the Brotherhood's learned champion. Only when he can intone the 666 verses of the Cabalos Luminar without pause or error, as the champion and a dozen Luna-class combat servitors attack the Battle Brother in mass, is he satisfied. As every Grand Master has an equal voice within the Chapter Council, so every Brotherhood is equal. Though their associations and methods may differ, none is held above another. It is without a doubt, however, that the Ward Makers have been pivotal in defeating the forces of chaos in countless terrible events. Had but one of these hidden battles been lost, mankind's future may have been far darker. When a mysterious infection descended on the Decimalis system, 
It was the wise counsel of the third's grandmaster at the time, Valadar Oricon, that revealed a Zinchian demon's machinations at its heart. With careful assessment of prognosticar readings, emperor's tarot, and ancient prophecies, he uncovered the disease's implications and its threads of fate. All of this showed it for the titanic threat it truly was. A plague of madness that would have spread without end. On Calva V, the wardmakers faced demons of all four chaos gods in an incursion that spilled towards the segmentium forces of Cryptomundi. The Brotherhood faced legions of demon engines too, and possessed hulks that were all that was left of the former populace. The Third Brotherhood drew deep from their vast knowledge, crafting sorceries that were tailored to every foul iteration of demon crawling before them, for not one sanctified blast could have cut through all the deferring forms. It was under the nascent command of Grandmaster Valdis that the Third Brotherhood stood side by side with the Ultramarines on Macrag. Their empiric powers threw back chaos sorcery during the Siege of Hera and ensured the successful resurrection of the Primarch Rabute Gilliman. Grandmaster Valdus wields more psychic might than any Grey Knight seen in centuries. Where he strides into battle, the air grows heavy with empiric charges, and he unleashes his powers in waves of purifying flame that scour the foe before him. His relic demon hammer the Malleus Argium was crafted over the course of a century by the blind smith Hulliver, thrumming as Voldus feeds psychic power into its arcane core. The Grand Master wields it as if it weighs nothing at all, and his attacks strike with the force of a thunderbolt. His elevation to the vaunted position of Grand Master of the Third Brotherhood came during the onset of the Great Rift's apocalyptic emergence. Though his ennoblement came from the lips of Lord Kaldor Drago himself in the wake of their combined banishment of the Zinchian demonic lord, it is one that sits heavily with Valdus. He sees himself as a humble warrior who sought no greater advancement than a position from which to slay the hated demon. Yet he swore Lord Drago an oath to live upon the honor and on Macrag, on Gathalamor Prime, on Luna and Holy Terra itself, among many others. 
Aldrich Valdez has proven, at least to others, his supreme ability, strength, and will. As well as commanding a brotherhood of the most elite space marines, Voldis is warden of the Librarius. In this capacity, he has authority over the chapter's librarians and the dangerous archives of knowledge that they guard. Amongst the Grey Knight's ranks, Brother Captain Stern stands as one of the longest-serving and most decorated. On Atraxes, Stern led the counterattack that culled the cult of the Red Talon. He alone cornered McCatchen, the Lord of Change that enslaved them, and banished the screaming demon back to the warp in a psychic feat thought beyond the capacity of a lone brother captain. So began a vendetta of centuries in which McCatchen has seemed to interfere in the redoubtable brother captain's fate. For each of Stern's heroic feats, some dire misfortune befalls his allies. Since Atraxes, the demon has haunted his steps. Each time they have fought, McCatchen has seemed to flee, killing many of Stern's battle brothers before he does so. Yet, with each confrontation, Stern learns more of his demonic nemesis, as, no doubt, the demon believes it learns more of him in turn. Stern has refused any advancement until the threat of McCatchen can be ended forever. When the demon overreaches itself, so Stern has sworn, it will be his blade that avenges his fallen brothers. Every Grey Knight is a psyker, a bearer of a mutation that sets him as much apart from other space marines as his genetically enhanced body sets him apart from humanity. But few of the chapter's battle brothers exercise this power with free reign. Even for a Grey Knight, this would offer a way into the material realm for insatiable demons. It is the librarians who train their brothers to focus their psychic gifts in concert with others of their squad. The chapter's librarians are experts in the use of their powers. They are capable of invoking all manner of diverse incantations. These they build up over centuries of arcane study and mental duels with creatures from the warp. Librarians are assigned to fight alongside one of their brotherhoods, supporting their brother Grey Knights on the battlefield and offering counsel on matters of obscure lore. As part of controlling their own powers, librarians are skilled in resisting 
the insidious influence of the warp. They wear complex cowls, amalgams of crystal and neural wiring that empower them in tearing apart the sorceries of others. Librarians maintain ancient titles or ranks, the origins of which are uncertain. As he rises through this hierarchy, from Lexicanium to Codicer, and thence Epostolary, the librarian is judged stronger in mind. He becomes more capable of wielding dangerous power, and is granted access to some of the darkest mysteries held by the chapter. Located deep in the Sanctum Sanctorum lies the Librarium Demonica. It is one of the most heavily shielded and guarded locations in the Imperium, for here lies the Grey Knight's corpus of knowledge on demon kind. Some of the lore predates the Imperium, or has been obtained from long-dead Xenos races, and some is reputed to have even been dictated by Malkador, or even the Emperor himself. The threat of such knowledge falling into the wrong hands is not underestimated. The Librarium Demonica lies behind three adamantine barriers, each many yards thick, protected by enchantments, anointed with consecrated oils, and etched with silver seals of warding. Elder librarians guard each of the three massive portals, the gateways sealed with layers of arcane ciphers, spatial displacers, and magical vortices. Any seeking entrance who does not utter the secret words of passage at the ritualized moment will be destroyed by the guardian librarians without pause. Among the dread knowledge contained within are the true names of many of the foulest demons and the known instances of their manifestations. One, the demon known as Makachin, is unpleasantly familiar to the third's brother captain, for its fate and his are inextricably linked. Chambers of Purity The Chambers of Purity are thought to be the oldest part of the Citadel of Titan. They lie deep, buried like a secret in the dark, and the cold far beneath the moon's surface. Though the Chambers of Purity and their sanctified guardians are hidden away, it is to ensure the security of something deeper and darker, a secret they are placed there to guard. The chapter's legends tell that a great evil lies entombed amongst the roots 
of Mount Anark, the great peak at whose base the Grey Knight's Fortress Monastery sits. To those Grey Knights, with just cause to approach the outer entrances of the Chambers of Purity, strange echoes and air patterns suggest some vast space beyond. Not even the Grand Masters know the full truth. Many rumors, terrifying if only for the grim credence such learned and stoic warriors would give them, have wound around the mystery down the millennia. Some have it that it is an evil intrinsic to Titan, that it is the reason the moon was chosen as the Grey Knight's homeworld. Some of those conjecture that it was there already, while others that the Emperor placed it there, something he would not or could not destroy. Still others have talked of some failure in the Warp Nexus, that during Titan's timeless period within the Warp, something defeated Malkador's wards and crept into the heart of Titan itself. Only the Iron Grimoire is believed to disclose the truth. Within its bindings of screaming warp metal, the tome is said to liken the bedrock of Titan to a graven tomb, and the chambers of purity to that tomb's capstone. Thus, the chambers are less of a prison and more like that prison's lock and key. Only the Supreme Grand Master is permitted to read the Iron Grimoire. Of all other Grey Knights, only the Chamber's Guardians, the Order of Purifiers, truly know what it is they guard. Yet, when the Rock of Titan shakes, and the purifiers seal the approaches to their chambers, the chapter holds its collective breath until the tremors end. Since the emergence of the Great Rift, the shivering of Titan's innards have grown more frequent and more intense. Chapter numerologers have reported disturbing synergies in the quake's frequencies and other visionaries have spoken with fear of a great awakening, the opening of an eye. This evil, though perhaps the greatest on Titan, is far from the only one kept safe by the chambers of purity. Within fortified obulets, stasis john-johns, and refraction prisons, all part of the chamber's lattice of secure sanctums, lie the demonic relics kept by the chapter. These are the profane objects deemed too hazardous to be studied or displayed as trophies in the Hall of Champions. Yet, 
they are also too dangerous to be destroyed, for that would allow the baleful demons bound within to return to the warp, where they would coalesce once more at their malignant leisure. Theses, catalogs, instructions, ravings, histories, and every kind of tome, scroll, and creaking liber can be found here, their pages, bindings, and inks formed of a thousand substances. Few of them are given willingly. Bones there are, too, of fallen saints and enslaving prophet hawkers of possessed Xeno's tyrants, such as those of the Whisperer, whose unearthing by greed-driven inquisitors brought about the plague of madness. Painted energies in grav suspension, Xenos technologies, and mechanical idols from darker ages languish in bonds, their sentiences raging, or else repeating unheeded pleas of innocence. Blades, hooks, maces, strangely proportioned firearms, and countless other forms of life-taker are sequestered in gilded caskets. These demon weapons have tasted blood and souls, and are some of the chapter's most dangerous occupants. Their will kept dormant by the working of ancient technology, and the powerful radiance of the chamber's keepers. The Purifiers are an organization apart from other Grey Knights. Distanced from their battle brothers by their nature and tradition, they guard the chambers of purity against mortal and immortal incursion, ensuring that nothing and no one breaches their realm to reach the mountain's roots beyond. Only the Grand Masters of the Brotherhoods and the Chapter Lord are permitted within their domain unbidden, and none at all any further. They have the authority and determination to destroy any who are not permitted. In the rare instances of intruders, none have returned, their fate remaining unknown and unquestioned. The purifiers epitomize the chapter's sanctity of purpose. There is neither training regime nor set process by which a grey knight joins their dower and taciturn ranks. Membership of the Order of Purifiers is not granted through skill, valor, or tally of grim deeds, and a grey knight may serve with unblemished distinction throughout his functionally immortal lifetime without being granted this singular honor. Rather, purifiers recruit only from those grey knights whose souls are held 
to be utterly incorruptible. Even beyond the usual exacting standards of the chapter. So painstaking is the selection, and so rarely bestowed, that there are seldom more than a few score of purifiers. Whether it be by some quirk of mystical fate, however, their number seldom drops so low as to render their duties unfulfilled. Thus, Never has thought been given to relaxing the restrictions of induction, lest the sanctity of the order be compromised. On rare occasions, the head of the purifier order will accede to a request from one of the Grand Masters for aid of a portion of their warriors. Only one of the council can make such a demand. Understanding the gravity of the purifier's duty, even while not knowing its true nature, the Grand Master does so only in the direst of circumstances. When purifiers deploy, they often form the chapter's spearhead in war zones that boil and churn with legions of demons. The purifier's untarnished spirit is not only their defining characteristic, it is also their greatest weapon. Like the light of battle said to halo the Imperium's greatest saints, a nimbus of radiance illuminates these pure warriors. Combined with a Grey Knight's formidable psychic might, this invulnerability of heart and mind is transformed into a cleansing azure fire that burns unworthy adversaries in body and soul. Little resists the power of this glorious conflagration. A demon's cold malignancy is turned violently against it. A corrupted soldier's fear erupts into a corona of fire, and the malevolence of predatory Xenos consumes such aliens. None but the purifiers walk unharmed through this blaze, armor gleaming as they dispatch of their charred foes. Hall of Champions among rows of iron-bound basalt columns rising to vaulted arches far above the central hall of champions hang the standards and trophies of the Grey Knights. Dark statues stare down, their stern countenances underlit by consecrated candles. Along with subsidiary chancels, and council chambers, the hall forms the chapter's martial and spiritual heart. The huge central chamber of the Citadel of Titan is known as the Hall of Champions, though in truth this term stretches to encompass a warren of chambers, passages, 
and sanctuaries that lead from the central hall's tiered levels. Here are held rare feasts when more than a handful of Grey Knights are upon Titan together. These are often in the wake of a hard-fought victory. The battle brothers within the fortress monastery covering and rearming before the next vision of doom calls them to war once more. Ranks of statues regard ceremonial proceedings, and oaths are sometimes sworn directly to them. They depict the Grey Knight's ancestors. Chapter heroes granted a form of immortality in which to inspire those who take up the fight after them. The hall is also a place in which to honor living heroes. Investitures and ordinations take place within circles of abjuration, inlaid into the solid floor in silver. Trophies taken from the defeated are displayed on sigil-carved iron hooks and chains. These may be shattered weapons, fragments of scorched armor, or stranger items, like the thirteen twisted iron masks of the demon magi purged from Seabrum too. Perhaps most unusual of all is the skull of Ermanath the demon Raja of Nalu. Before the defeated creature's spirit could flee to the warp, the Grey Knights bound it into its flayed skull. Now its fading sentience rages silently and impotently, forced to witness the celebration of the Grey Knights' every triumph over chaos. Though the Grey Knight's prime concern is the demonic menace, they fight countless battles against the alien, mutant, and heretic, and many trophies in the hall stand as a testament to these victories. The Hall of Champions is the seat of the Paladins, the Grey Knight's greatest warrior squads and many of the statues there represent former companions of the Paladin's fraternity. As the Order of Purifiers stand as the Grey Knight's sanctified elite, the Paladins are the chapter's martial exemplars. If a Grey Knight wishes to prove himself worthy, of a place amongst such lauded elite, bravery and skilled arms are not enough. He must complete eight quests to establish his character and cause. Each more arduous and deadly than the last, they culminate in the hunting down and banishment of one of the 666 most powerful demons known to have manifested. Battle Brothers have died on these quests, refusing to abandon them and incur grave dishonor. 
It is a measure of the paladin's status that a grey knight seeking admission is willing to risk depriving his chapter of his skills that he may serve it to a higher standard. The paladins seldom fight as one body. The Supreme Grand Master, or one of the council in his stead, call upon the paladins when they require the very best of the chapter to take the field. And they usually dispatch in small numbers to support individual brotherhoods. Truly selfless, yet with the skill to destroy the foulest beasts, paladins throw themselves without hesitation into combat with towering demon lords and murderous hordes of warp spawn. The sacred standards and banners that hang in the Hall of Champions represent every brotherhood and order of the Grey Knights. They honor the cleansing of worlds and the purging of the unhallowed evil. There are few in the Imperium that know of such heroics, and fewer still who record them. Each brotherhood maintains many standards in the hall, and here also are displayed the personal banners and relics of fallen heroes. The Paladin Ancient has been chosen from amongst that exemplar brotherhood for his reverence and stoicism. In his unshakable grasp is carried one of the chapter's greatest standards, one that depicts the Grey Knight's most glorious victories over demonkind. His is a duty more personal than that of many ancients, for he has fought in many of these great victories and is as much a figure of inspiration as the banner he lifts. It is against the stirring backdrop of these standards that the chapter's chaplains lead their brotherhoods in prayer during the greatest gatherings in the Hall of Champions, as they also do before battle. Chaplains are the spiritual leaders of the Grey Knights, and they maintain many of the chapter's tradition and inculate neophytes in the strictures they must know before acceptance, as well as mercilessly administering punishments to those they perceive as wavering in their focus. Their fiery sermons shouted over the den of battle or intoned with grim solemnity in the hall, remind those among whom they fight of the price of failure, psychically reinforcing the heavy duty laid upon them all by the Emperor. A Hidden Tapestry Upon the Grey Knight's sacred standards in the Hall of Champions, and within the locked pages of certain tomes that the chapter holds, are described some of the most pivotal moments in the Imperium's history. These will never be lauded by thankful populaces, 
and there are no statues to grey knights upon worlds they have saved, for there must be no witnesses. The danger of unrestricted knowledge of the demonic as proven in the blood of entire worlds in which it was allowed to fester. Thus, not even the Grey Knight's greatest victories upon worlds that have been thoroughly sanctified can be known to imperial citizens. Men and women who survive a demonic incursion, even those who have impressed the Grey Knights with their stoic resolve in the face of mind-wrenching madness, are ruthlessly purged during the extensive post-battle processing by the Ordo Malleus. The existence of such survivors is obviated by the Inquisition so completely that no records remain of certain regiments or ship's crew even being assigned to the system in question. It is likely that some forces recorded as being lost in the warp en route to their deployment actually reached their destination and fought with courage, only for the survivors to be rounded up, interrogated, and executed. The Grey Knights are sometimes party to these purges as well, but the Ordo Malleus has resources and experience to conduct many by itself. Particularly valued individuals, such as warriors of other Space Marine chapters, and occasionally high-ranking commanders of the Astra Militarum or Navis Imperialis, are instead often psychically relieved of all memory of the battle. There have been occasions of resistance to such necessary mental excisions. At least one chapter was forced to undertake an extended pentient crusade to the galactic rim, rather than risk being branded excommunicate traitorous over their objections. Within the ancient warp storm known as Geldreth's Eye, the Grey Knights uncovered a hidden ritual. Unfocused visions from the Augurium led a fleet of the First and Second Brotherhoods to discover an armada of Wordbearer's Traitor Legion vessels inside the warp, positioned in an octagonal formation. A coven of sorcerers and dark apostles were enacting a murderous ritual from within their ships. Already, warp routes skirting Geldrit's eye were being perverted, the Geller fields of Imperial ships making these passages were weakened enough for lurking swarms of warp predators to tear them open and feast on their crews. Though their own Geller fields were similarly weakened, the combined aegis of the Grey Knights kept the circling demons at bay. With their warp sight, the Grey Knights sensed the geometries of the ritual. <laughs> 
otherwise invisible through the churning warp that enveloped them. They saw the psychic construction was almost complete, but could also see the nodes that could be unpicked to force the structure to unravel. The strike cruiser, Sarastor, led its sister ships in precision attacks that smashed through the gun decks of the word barrel's peripheral cruisers. Grey Knights made coordinated teleport strikes against bridge controls and engineeriums. The ancient teleportariums were boosted by the psychic powers of the warriors so that none were scattered, even through the fluxing of the warp's local currents. The chaos ships struggled to maintain their crucial positioning for the ritual. Their own gunnery inflicted minimal damage as it was buffeted by the energies of the halted ceremony. Grey Knights disengaged as the ritual came apart and the warp's tides rushed in, tearing apart most of the word-bearer's vessels. Entraxes was a mining world famed throughout the Sudar subsector for its rare bloodstone. When the prognosticars foretold a great evil would arise there, a demi-brotherhood led by Brother Captain Stern discovered the planet already in the grip of a rebellion. Lord of Change, McCatchen, had spread an uprising from the Red Talon Citadel, and the demon had also tainted the Bloodstone Mines, binding warp nightmares into the rock. With its export, McCatchen's influence spread through the Sudar subsector, sowing discord and mayhem as citizens wearing Bloodstone tokens succumbed to possession. Stern ordered half of his strike force to attack and destroy Antraxi's orbital shipyards, while he led the rest in a targeted strike at the Red Talon Citadel. Teleporting into the midst of thousands of cultists enthralled to Makachin, Stern and his warriors fought towards the demon. He invoked the liturgies of banishment dueling the greater demon in a battle of wills as his brothers kept the surging cultists at bay with sweeps of their nemesis blades and volleys of bolt fire. Under Stern's psychic onslaught, McCatchen's spells could not save it, and its mortal form burst apart in blue fire. The Grey Knights teleported clear as the flaming debris of the destroyed shipyard struck. The returned Primarch, Rabute Gilliman, had not been upon Terra long before the cataclysmic eruption of the Cicatrix Maledictum. Upon the throne world, the descending blackness drove millions to insanity and rebellious cults arose in many of Terra's hive cities. Warp storms, 
surrounding the planet split open and legions of coronate demons assaulted the Lion's Gate. This bastion at the heart of the Imperial Palace was flanked by battleship-sized gun batteries, but alone they had no hope of prevailing. A Dimmy Brotherhood of Grey Knights, dispatched in haste to Terra, fought shoulder to shoulder with thousands of the Adeptus Custodes and countless more defenders. The Grey Knights' specialist knowledge, coordinated strikes, and empiric powers helped stem the tide of 88 cohorts of blood-drenched demons. With the deployment of Sisters of Silence, the Grey Knights fought on with their superlative martial might, even without their powers, stoically enduring the excruciating touch of the Knoll Maiden's psychic void. When the Lion's Gate was at last reinforced from other portions of the palace, the demons were finally cast down and banished 